will end it after the shovel, or will it? Miami running around, circling, oh look out! Gronkowski didn't have the angle! Touchdown! Oh, how can you drink? A miracle! Hello, welcome to the Dolphin UK podcast. Uh, got a really special uh, guest this week, uh, Mike from Dolphins Talk. And yeah, thanks for your time, mate. Thanks for joining us all the way from the States. How's it going? I'm doing great, guys. Thanks for having me. This is a thrill. Nice one. Nice to, nice to have you with us. And we've got lots to, to, to talk about. Um, Cy, Lee, as always, joined by you two. How's it going, Cy? Everything all right your side? Yeah, good. Thanks, Andy. Really looking forward to tonight's episode, actually, and some uh, discussing some Dolphins talk. Um, no pun intended, or pun <laughs> intended, of course. So, yeah, yeah, welcome, Mike. Good to have you on. Thank you, Simon. Thank you. And Lee, all good with you, mate? Yeah, I'm doing well. I'd love to say I've got a pun as good as Simon's, but I, I know you love one, so... <laughs> yeah, we'll leave that to Sai, won't we? That's uh, and uh, and and yeah, Lee, I'm loving the the uh, the tracksuit top there, mate. Nice uh, Dolphins gear as well. So a bit different. <laughs> yeah, nice one. Um, yeah, guys. Well, I, I, just before we've come on, it's uh, obviously um, we've had the news about Kyle Van Noy won't be a Dolphin uh, in 2021, which is a bit of a shock to the system. Um, a bit, um, obviously, no rumours about this beforehand, which Lee, I'm sure you'll pick <laughs> up a, a pick up on yourself in a second, but. Mike, you're the guest, mate. I'll kick you, kick off with you then. Um, like, what does this mean for for the team? Is it is it, do you think it's a good move or is it kind of just shuffling the deck before next year and free agency? I don't, I don't think we know yet. I think it came as a big surprise in that when you give out a four year contract, fifty one million dollars, thirty million of it totally guaranteed, you expect that guy to sort of be a cornerstone of your team. You expect him to be here more than one year at least. And for him to be gone after one season, which I thought he played well. I mean, was he a superstar by any means? No, but I thought he played well. For him to now be gone is a bit of a surprise. So I think that caught a lot of people off guard. Now, there's a few ways to look at this. And you can put a positive spin on it, or you can put a negative spin on it. The positive spin is they set up his contract to where there's an out after one year and salary cap wise, there's a little damage, but nothing crazy and you're okay. That's the positive spin. The negative spin is if you only were gonna pull on this guy for a year or so, why'd you give him a contract to begin with and why have any dead money? So it all depends if you're a glass half full or a glass half empty type of guy. And this isn't one anybody can blame on Mike Tannenbaum anymore, he gone. This is all Chris Greer, okay? Chris Greer, so if you're one who doesn't, who is not seeing the positive in this, then you might have the approach. What was Chris Greer thinking with this move? Now, once again, it's kind of annoying at the end of the day. It's not a legendary outside linebacker by any means, but still a bad contract is a bad contract. And I'm a little surprised by this. Also, this Miami Dolphins team is very, very young, very young across the board at almost every position. They know it was one of the vets. And I think for a team to win in the NFL, whether it's, to make a run in the playoffs or to ultimately win a Super Bowl, you need a healthy mix of young guys and veterans. You're taking Ryan Fitzpatrick, most likely won't be back. Now, Vanoy most likely won't be back. Who are the veterans on this team? There really aren't a lot of guys you can sort of lean on, and it becomes a very, very young team again. Now, I'm sure that might change in free agency, and they might add a guy or two or three possible who's a veteran, you would say. But right now, that's why this move is a little surprising because, A, I thought he played well, and, B, 
you gave a guy a big contract, he's only here a year. There's, I don't know if there's a positive spin for that. Go on, sorry, take it away. Yeah, I just wanted to expand on something that you did say, Mike, regarding the contract. Um, now, my initial reaction was to suggest that it was purely a salary cap reason. Um, sat, well, I was a little bit uncomfortable with because he only signed with the team a year ago, of course, and they knew exactly what the contract terms were and what the salary kit cap hits were. So they knew exactly what this was going to look like a year ago. So to suggest now it's a salary cap move, I find a little bit confusing. So I do wonder whether there's more to it than meets the eye. Uh, and it's not necessarily on-field production either. As you say, Mike, he had a pretty decent season. So I just wonder if there's more going on behind the scenes that we're never going to know about, perhaps. The, well, one the, thing the, I'll say, one thing I'll jump in real quick, not to cut you off, Simon, was a year ago this time, nobody in the league knew that the salary cap would go down this much because of the virus and no fans and how that was going to play out. So when they passed out that contract last March, nobody had any idea about how bad this would be with the virus and how the that would affect the salary cap and how it would drop so much. So that might play a factor into why they had to let him go here. And that is more understandable, I think, than anything else. So if it is because of that, I get it. If it's not because of that, which we'll never know the answer, honestly, but if it's not because of that, then I don't get it. But if it's because the salary cap went down this year and they didn't plan on that when they passed out that contract, I sort of understand it from a front office perspective. But then wouldn't there be other ways you could manage that oh, salary cap? There's other ways by... to do it. They could cut other guys, yeah. restructure other guys. If they really, really wanted him, there's a way to make it work. Yeah. They felt yeah. this was the best way to just maybe work around the cap to do other things they want to do. Yeah, just before um, Lee and, and Andy jump in, there was another point I wanted to make as well. And you mentioned about um, removing Fitz and Van Noy removes that old head, if you like, and that leadership. And years and years ago in, in the Premier League, Mike, there was a, a, a pundit who said, who once said um, of, a, of a team, you're never going to win anything with kids. They're, um, meaning that you've got to have those old heads and that experience in the team if you want to produce on the field and, and win trophies. He was subsequently proved wrong that season where the champ team that won the Premier League was full of kids. Um, so it can be done in professional sports, as we know. Bit of an obscure example, but yeah. it, just because they get rid of the old heads, it doesn't mean that that's necessarily going to be a factor True. in, in it how can happen. I just think it's a, it's a harder path to take. I remember when the Patriots won their first Super Bowl with Tom Brady. We go, I mean, now you're going way back to like 01 or so. That team had a lot of old veterans. I think it had Brian Cox and all those guys who were on their last legs in the league. And one of the comments that came out of that team is, you know, because nobody knew who Tom Brady was back then. He was, he was, you know, hopped on the scene and sort of nobody knew who he was, was this was a team with a lot of old, pissed-off guys who were sick of losing. They just wanted to win. And there is something to that. A bunch of guys who know their time in the league ain't going to be forever, who have – who have seen a lot, who are just sick of losing and they want to win. I think with kids, they might not have that perspective if they're in their first, second, third year. They're wet behind the ears. They're new. I think you need a few guys who are just sick of losing who can just sort of be those that locker room 
leader type, leader on the team type, who there's something there to that. I'm not saying, you, you know, that there should be five or six of those guys, just a couple. I think there needs to be a couple. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, lots of good debate there. I love that. Nice way to kick us off. Lee, you, you always tell us that uh, mm-hmm. you can't trust any rumours that you hear about the Dolphins because the main Dolphins news just comes out of nowhere. No one had it first. What do you reckon, mate? Was that another another way to the, prove your point? This, this is exactly what's been happening all along. I mean, this has been happening since the Flores came in and the sort of the new regime took over kind of not two years ago, kind of like three years ago. News other than the Dolphins being absolutely besotted with Tua, every every bit of news has been very last minute. Like no one was talking about Byron Jones before Byron Jones signed. That came out of left field. No one was talking about Carl Van Noy going until like I had a, um, a bleacher report thing come from my phone saying I think it was Cameron Wolf saying that he could be a cap casualty. I actually turned to, to my brother who I was talking to at the time on, on Zoom and said, that looks like clickbait. Like that, you know, that doesn't, that doesn't seem right because it would be a shock. And within 10 minutes, I had the next, next update come through saying that he'd been informed he was being released. Like, so when you see a report that says the Dolphins will be interested in Deshaun Watson, the Dolphins will be interested in Juju Smith-Schuster, whoever it is in free agency, Bear in mind that no news has been getting out of that building. It is few and far between when, when these things happen. And I, I think agents and players know when they negotiate and they're in contact with the Dolphins that it's very clear the information gets leaked. And I don't think they want to go through it. I don't think that's the sort of people they're looking to deal with. Yeah, it's an interesting point of view, isn't it, really? And, and, and it's just being proven right time and again, isn't it? So, yeah, fair play, mate, fair play. Um, Mike, just throw this one back to you then. Do you think this is going to have a negative impact uh, in the locker room? Do you think the guys are kind of like, you know, exchanging messages and now saying, you know, this was one of our leaders, like, where did this come from, that sort of thing? No, I don't think so. I think, not, not in that regard, because I think a lot of the players these days, even the younger ones, are smartened up to how this league works. And they know from a player side, this is why I never fault any players who want to hold out or ask more money because they know, you know, you could be cut tomorrow out of the blue. So it works both ways. So from a side of a team, they have to run a team, they have to run their business, moves like this happen at times. And from the other side as a player, you know, there might be a time where you want to get paid more, you want to hold out and stuff. So it works both ways, and I think players these days are sort of smartened up to that, and they understand that this, at the end of the day, is a business. It's their job, and they understand guys come and go all the time. So I don't think it'll affect the locker room so much. Talking of the locker room, actually, as well, um, of course, you have to look at it in that it's going to open up other opportunities. So Andrew Van Ginkel is going to possibly see an increased amount of playing time and his roles and responsibilities are going to increase potentially as a result of this move. Plus there's also the added factor of free agency in the draft. Does that mean they're going to shift their focus slightly and, and look to reinforce the linebacker core through, through either one of those channels? Um, so it does, does seem to open up other opportunities now. Yeah. So uh, Lee, sorry, were you going to come in there? Yeah. Just, it's, it's slightly off from what you were just saying, but, I think it plays a part. This is also an interesting move based on what 
has happened last year with the signing of Jordan Howard and the subsequent release. We th- this is seeing the organisation saying, look, for whatever reason, this is no longer a no longer a fit. Whether it's money or on-field production or off-field production, for some reason they're saying, look, we did this and we thought it was a great idea. We've now seen it's not a good idea, and we're willing to just say, that's it. We, we we're not going to try and force it. We're just going to move on and admit that it was a mistake and and, and try and rectify it. Yeah, it's uh, it's yeah, it's it's, it's all round a strange one just to come out of the blues and obviously to, to kind of wrap up everything we were saying there. Um, it just it just feels to me that it could be the start of quite an exciting free agency. Feels like I've seen quite a few people saying this looks like it could mean the Dolphins are going to go big on a couple of like game changing players and that sort of thing. I mean, Lee, do you reckon that kind of opens us up for that that direction? Yeah, possibly. I still feel it. I mean, I said it a couple of weeks ago on here. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if they're more active trying to look in the trade market where they're getting a player under contract and they're not fighting for the go. And I don't know. It's just just a, a feeling I've got that they, they don't necessarily want to go fighting for the, the highest price free agent. Don't want to be used as a stocking horse, which has happened time and time again. You know, um, agents seem to love to do it to the Dolphins. Let, let's be honest. Everyone who's been cut so far, you see at least one media outlet saying, <laughs> definitely linked with the Dolphins. Obviously, why not? It's like, you know, and I expect that to continue, but I think maybe you can get better value by shopping some players that might be cut for cap reasons anyway. Plenty of teams are going to be in, in, in cap trouble this season. We, we know that once a cap number finally gets set, we'll know you know who's in the, in the biggest trouble. There's going to be some names available one by the other and not necessarily particularly expensive because they're going to be cut anyway. So th- there's going to be some deals to be had, I feel, and that that might actually be the route they're going rather than going splashy in free agency. Yeah, definitely. We talked about um, like Michael Thomas and the Saints and stuff like that, didn't we? Is the kind of big shock impact sort of thing that could happen. Uh, well, you know. Also, fact, one more thing, guys. I want to jump in. They have to do something here with Xavier Howard. And this move opens up $9 million roughly under the cap. Howard's not going to play for what he's getting paid right now. He's either going to hold out or he won't be here. I'm wondering if some of this money uh, might go to fixing the Howard situation because there is a situation there where he wants a pay raise, whether he should receive it or not, the whole thing, because he did just recently <laughs> sign a contract, all that good stuff, but he's not happy and they have to make that right. If they hold on to him, they have to make it right and they're going to have to put some money towards him. So I'm wondering if some of this money might get shifted to fix that issue and maybe extend some other guys who are going to be up soon for contract renewals. I mean, if, if you think that in terms of player position, I believe that Brian Flores probably values his two-star corners more than he does a, a high-priced linebacker. Absolutely. And like you say, the math just makes sense. Look, if I can take the money from here and put it there, I'd rather keep that tandem together than, than keep a, an older linebacker that, let's be honest... Even at four years, he was never seen four years out. It's really three years. Like it, it wasn't necessarily for the long term. Correct, uh, yeah. I, I just believe Brian Flores prioritizes those corners far higher than any other position on the team. It makes his defense tick. Yeah, bang on. Um, just one final point then on this. Um, uh, Ian Rappaport saying uh, a couple of hours before we were recording that um, the Dolphins aren't 
cutting him yet. They're still trying to, to, to look to trade him. Um, so I just come back to you. I mean, is, do you think there's any chance that now that everyone knows that we're willing to cut him, that someone chucks us a pick or something like that? Um, very remote possibility. I would have thought now they, everyone knows he's going to be cut anyway. You might get a late round pick if you're lucky or a conditional pick. But the fact that this news is late probably diminishes his trade value quite considerably, I would have thought. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, that feels, uh, feels about right to me. Um, all right, yeah, n- nice little bit of back and forward there and, and just good to have some some like non-kind of, well, it's free agency news, but non-like the Dolphins are linked with every man that's, that's ever held a football on a pitch sort of uh, sort of news, which is good. Um, so I'll move on. We've got Mike here. And Mike, I'm going to pick your brains a bit, really, just a bit of an off-season one to, to, to dig into a bit. Um Obviously, we've said it time, every Dolphins fan can see the difference a couple of years has made under, under Brian Flores. Um, just throwing it over to you then, mate. What do you think like, is, is, is made this change happen so quickly? Like, Why have we gone from kind of like just middling franchise to one that's knocking on the door of the playoffs with an exciting young roster? What, what's the key thing for you? Yeah, there's a few things he's done very well that... When you hear them out loud, you say, well, that just makes sense. Why doesn't every coach do it? But they don't. And a few of the things that he does well is he implemented his system. He had a plan. He had a system. And he stays true to that plan and system no matter what. He doesn't waver off that one bit. He's not one of these guys who tries to fit a square peg into a round hole. He knows what he wants, what he needs, and he's not going to force it. And if you're on the team – and you're not gonna fit his system, you won't be there much longer. And I think the perfect example was Mika Fitzpatrick. He didn't wanna do what Flores did. Okay, bye, I don't need you. I'll get someone else who will do that. And I think that's a perfect example of that. And he literally doesn't waver off his system, no matter what. Even with the offensive coordinators, as we're going into a new season with another offensive coordinator, he's looking for something. And if he doesn't see it, He's not afraid to move on until he finds exactly what he wants on that side of the ball with that coach. So that's one thing he does. The other thing he has done, which I don't think you can even put a value on because it's invaluable. He coaches players up. A lot of teams, when they have a head coach and a staff, they can improve some players. But he has improved. I don't want to say all because it's not all. The vast majority of these young players, he coaches them up to where they need to be, to where they can at least contribute in some way. That might not be the largest role in the world, but he, he'll get a guy up to a point where he can make some type of impact on this team in some role. Some guys are going to have a larger role, some guys are going to have a smaller role, but this staff with him in charge coaches young players up like I've never seen before. Probably looking back, the past 25 years or 30 years in Miami, Jimmy Johnson was great at that. After him, I cannot name another coach that really coached up players at this level. And that's one of the things he does great. He has his plan. He takes the young talent and he will improve them over time, gets them going. And he is just stays true to himself and what he wants to do as that coach. And I think that works in this league. I think there's something to that. And that, you know, some coaches try to be too cute or they see, some other team, they're doing A, B, and C. We got to do A, B, and C. Brian Flores don't care what other teams are doing. We're going to do this. This is how we do it. That's how we're going to do it every week, and this is how we're going to win. And I think that's why this team has sort of taken the leaps 
to where they are now and had a 10-win season. I think that's a big part of it. Nice, yeah, really, really concise. Go on, side. sorry, over to you. Yeah, you mentioned about the OCs, Mike. Um, do you not think that him willing to move on if things do if if people do not fit in the organization whether that's players or coaches can sometimes be regarded as a criticism because the fact that he's had he's on his third OC in three years coming up there's no consistency there in that position um do you not see that as a potential criticism for the way he, oh, he deals with that absolutely and i said on our podcast on our website if he was coming off a six-win season or a seven-win season I'd be pounding the table going, what is this guy doing? Is he nuts? Because you haven't earned that right to keep throwing the offensive coordinators under the bus and keep having someone else come in. But they did win 10 games this year. So it's tough to criticize a coach who just won 10 games. And in most years, 10 wins will get you into the playoffs. Most years. It didn't this year. Most years it will. So I cut him slack for now. There's a caveat there. For now, in that regard, because I totally understand your point, and I think it's fair. As a head coach, you cannot have an overturn of the offensive staff year after year after year. I will say this, though. By promoting the guys he did and having this sort of two-offensive coordinator system, they're pretty much going to run the same offense they ran last year because these guys aren't going to change the playbook that much from what Chan Gailey had, I think. Once again, Chan Gailey. I know fans love to pile on Chan Gailey. They love to blame Chan Gailey for everything. With the limited weapons they had, with a young quarterback, rotating quarterbacks, three rookie offensive linemen on the field together at times, they still managed to win 10 games of that offense. That offense did just enough most weeks where they didn't screw it up to win 10 games. Chan Gailey could only play the hand he was dealt. And most weeks he did that good enough. So I think the reason they didn't go external for an offensive coordinator is this: there's something there with this offensive system Chan Gailey, did he leave on his own? Was he pushed out? Who the heck knows? But I don't think there's going to be a big change from what they ran last year. Maybe be more aggressive at times. Hopefully get some more offensive firepower on that side of the ball, which helps you be more aggressive and all that stuff. There's a lot of factors. But I think the 2021 offense is going to be very similar to the 2020 offense, just hopefully with better players (laughs) in the system. (laughs) Yeah, it's interesting. The other day, um, I saw a short clip of Najee Harris talking about um, the Dolphins. Um, Don't get excited, Lee. I can see you get excited. <laughs> uh, um, uh, Najee Harris talking about the Dolphins' offense that they ran at the uh, the Senior Bowl, and he basically said it was Steve Sarkeesian's uh, Alabama offense. So that's quite uh, telling as well. And I don't think we've really had that. Like um, you can see it in some of the plays, but we haven't really had that precise in, uh, insight that it's kind of like been lifted straight from the from the Bama playbook there. So I wonder if they'll continue with that next year. Definitely one that'd be interesting to watch. Uh, Lee, I'll, I'll flip it your way then. You're the kind of guy that's, you know, advocated the Flores way with us throughout. Um, anything that you can kind of see which Mike hasn't pulled out there or any points you want to enlarge on at all? Not necessarily something different, but I was definitely thinking along the same lines when Simon was bringing his point up about the OC's changing. It's, it's going to be really hard to, to use it as a negative against the coach until it impedes the team from winning, until you feel like it, the, t- the team hasn't made a step forward. Now, we could definitely make the argument we feel like they may have won more games with consistency. I mean, that's an argument you could make. But when you go from what Flores started with to where we are now, 
it, it's very difficult to to say that to kind of not blindly follow because it's working. It's working. the The plan is, if anything, it's working too quickly, and that's why people are shocked. That's why people suddenly think that you're in this. I don't want to use the term Super Bowl window, but almost in that win now mode where it feels like a trade for Deshaun Watson makes sense because I need to win now and I haven't got time for my rookie quarterback. The rookie quarterback was part of the plan. The plan is working. There's no, there's no, there's no kind of like, no point of overthinking it. This is what we set out to do and it's working exactly the way we thought we did. If anything, too good. Carry on. As you were, guys. Like, you know, it's. I I like his way in regards to. If it does go wrong at any point, if we get to the stage where Brian Flores is sacked as a Dolphins coach because it hasn't panned out, he won't be able to stand there and say, "I wasn't able to do things the way I wanted to." This is everything you want to do. You have control to, to do. Whether it's the he seems to have, you know control over the players that come in and go out I mean even like we say if that's a case of admitting that we made some mistakes with Jordan Howard someone you know players like that or whether it's getting rid of a young talent like Mika Fitzpatrick you know he's got control he's doing things his way and it's panning out so you know I think you just got to go with it yeah and that's a really nice segue into the next question which I was going to fire at Mike was the kind of like how do we now take it to the next level obviously like Lee said uh, everyone's quite shocked at how well it's gone so far but but Mike for you you know how do we secure that playoff berth next year? It all comes down to one thing and one thing only quarterback play that's it they're always going to be good enough on defense well this guy is the head coach it might be a great defense. It might be an okay defense, but it's always going to be good enough to win this league because he's a mastermind on that side of the ball, and they're always going to have talent on that side of the ball with him as that coach. So whether it's an elite defense or whether it's a good defense, it's always going to be good enough, okay? On the offensive side of the ball, we know they need wide receivers. They're going to add wide receivers. We know they need a running back. They're going to add running back. We know they – I think the offensive line, people are maybe a little too nervous. We have so many young pieces there that let's give them one more year and see what we got before we pull the ripcord on them and then try to go out there and add a bunch more. I think offensive line will improve. Maybe they add a piece, but really at the end of the day in this league, it comes down to if you, there's two types of teams, teams that have a quarterback and teams that don't. And if you have a quarterback, you can compete for the playoffs, win a couple of playoff games and hopefully more. If you don't, you're spinning your wheels in the mud. You ain't going nowhere. So Fitzpatrick, he, he he ain't coming back. I'd be stunned if he comes back. This is the Tua Tunga Vailoa show outside of trade for Watson, which is a whole other freaking story we're not going to talk about. It's a Tua Tunga Vailoa show, and this team will go as far as he takes them. And that's it. That's how you get to the next level in this league. You have a quarterback that when a team's having an off day, he can put the team on his back and take them to a win. And all quarterbacks, the great ones, the good ones, a couple times a year have to do that. They have to. Now, we saw it last year with him when they played Arizona. He put the team on his back and dragged them to a win. And for the sample size we saw of him last year, the fact he did that once is great. We're going to need to see him do that more, though, um, in 2021. 
And, and sorry, like you talked about the OCs and stuff there. I mean, do you think those are the guys that are going to drag Tour out and, and make them make him do that? They're certainly going to have an important role to play, of course. I mean, we know what happened with Gailey last season in that clearly he was calling a different playbook when Fitz was in the game rather than Tua. So you'd like to think now Fitz has gone, the game plan is going to be tailored to suit Tua's strengths. And don't forget, he's got that quarterback coach with him now that's going to help him develop in that respect as well. Um, so I think, yeah, they've got an important role to play. But I think what Mike said around adding playmakers to support his development is probably even more crucial than, than the, the coaches, I feel. I mean, you talked about the, uh, what's going to take the team to the next level and, and certainly adding playmakers is going to do that, which leads me to a point I was going to raise around the third pick in the draft that we've got. How do you add playmakers? You add them because you have the capital to do so. And it's a really golden opportunity now I mean, to add further capital, whether it's this year or whether it's in subsequent years by trading down from that number three spot. I mean, in an ideal world, we're never going to see ourselves in that number three spot ever again, or certainly for a long, long time. So we want to, I think, make the most of that and, and put that in hand in hand with the fact that there's going to be a likely a high demand for all these quarterbacks that are coming out into the draft this year. It seems to me as though it's a really golden opportunity now to take advantage of being able to um, obtain more capital to, to develop uh, and, uh, and get more playmakers, if you like, to add to that development of the team in general. Yeah, spot on. You can't really argue with that, can you? Especially like, so it must be like a queue of people waiting to knock the Dolphins' door for that third overall pick and, I really hope there is. Um, Lee, coming your way then, mate, any, any like I obviously asked you last time, anything to build on or anything to develop a bit more from Mike there? Anything here at all that you see as the key to the next next level of play? I think, probably just reiterating my own point from a minute ago, stick to the plan. The plan is working. See <laughs> it through. See it through. If it doesn't work, fine. But if you abandon it now, then... What was the point of going through the, all the effort to get to this stage? Like, make the make sure the team's tours and live and die by it. That's fine. If, if he's not the guy, find out by letting him play. Don't have this situation where if things get sticky, we can put in Ryan Fitzpatrick. That was great for his rookie season. Training wheels off. Let's go. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't fine but you need to know and th this is the perfect opportunity to do it say we're on schedule this was this was the plan <laughs> this is what we went through that ugly start to Flores' first season for was to get to this stage right now where we've got the capital to build we've got the money to go out in free agency and still make some moves and we've got one of the youngest rosters in the NFL this is, this is a truly ascending team so yeah, yeah. 100%. I'm just I'm just all in on sticking to the plan <laughs> every week, every week. <laughs> um, Mike, just just the final question. Then we've talked a lot about tour, but um, obviously I think we all know the answer really. But just just dig into it for us. And we've seen tour kind of working out a lot. There's a lot of photos of him coming out every day of putting in the effort and stuff like that. Getting that off season that he didn't have last year. What difference do you see that making as we go into 2021? That's a tough question. Uh, I think this kid checks every box of what you want from a franchise quarterback 
and that he's going to put in the work. He's not going to say anything that's going to cause a upset locker room or upset people. And he's smart. He is a smart kid. I think what we saw last year on the field from him is he needs just more reps. He needs more consistent reps and he needs just to be in more situations, which is why last year I was upset at times when they would take him out of the game because it's never easy. It's never perfect for a young quarterback and they have to go through the uncomfortable times and they have to fail. And it's okay if they fail, as long as they learn from it and grow from it. And when they kept taking him out of the game, you can't handle this kid with mittens. And if you're worried about him getting hit too much and getting hurt, then they drafted the wrong guy to begin with. So he's going to have to go out there, take his lumps, take his hits, learn from the mistakes and go. I think part of the issues we saw last year is that he holds on to the ball too long and he was nervous about making the mistake. So he would check down more, throw it away more, or take sacks where Fitzpatrick, Fitzpatrick's an old guy. He, he is who he is. He, everyone knows him as a guy who throws a bad interception at the worst time. And he, he has no fear, which is great for him because he's going to be out of the league soon. <laughs> you know, it's like he's got nothing to lose. He doesn't care. With a young quarterback who's got the weight of the world on him, he can't play so carefree. So I think that was a big thing for him. And it's only going to improve by being on the field more. And I don't know what they're going to do next year with the number two quarterback. I'm sure they'll go out there and sign a vet. They have to sign a vet of some level. I just hope competition's good to a point. I just hope it's not a guy where our head coach, and part of this is on the head coach too, he cannot get so nervous in games where he wants to turn to a vet at the first sign of trouble. That's one fault I think he has where he needs to have faith in the young guy and give him a chance. Because if not, what's the point of having him? Yeah, like I've seen a lot of calls for uh, Tyrod Taylor to, to back up. And for I me, I hate Tyrod Taylor. I, I, <laughs> I just, I'm not a fan. Even as a number two, I'm not a fan. I, I, I've never gotten the Tyrod Taylor love. Uh, I'll, I'll say this real quick on Watson too. I don't think they'll trade for Watson. I think there's going to be teams out there like the Panthers or Bears who will be willing to offer more than Miami will go. But I sort of get why they might want Watson. Because once again, it goes back to our head coach. Our head coach, I think he's more comfortable with a veteran quarterback than he is a young guy. So I sort of get why they might be interested. Because I just think that's his mentality. Even when we had Rosen and Fitzpatrick, his first year, when they were 0-7, what's the point of playing Fitzpatrick? You're not, he's not the future. Let's see what we have with Rosen. He should have got more time than he did, especially when, even after they won a few games. And then they were, I think, late November, officially by the math, out of the playoffs. Now there's really no reason not to play Rosen. Maybe he would have stunk. He probably would have. But let's see it. Let's see. Maybe he will improve. I, I, I mean, so I just think we have a head coach who's more comfortable with a veteran quarterback. So I understand the Watson rumors. I think the Watson rumors are real. I don't think they'll get them, but I think they will be interested should Houston put him on the block. Miami's going to come calling because I just think that's the nature of head coach. He's more comfortable with a vet under center. Lee, I think you were going to come in there as well. Yeah, I just, uh, just wanted to bring something up about the whole Watson Dolphins thing that – I had it presented to me the other day by somebody that Miami and Deshaun Watson are a great fit. 
And that really sparked off a thought in my mind where I don't necessarily think they are a great fit. I think Miami is a great fit for Deshaun Watson, but Deshaun Watson is not a great fit for Miami. I think those are two different statements. I think if you look at the teams that are realistically in play for Deshaun Watson right now, the teams that we know that are really obvious and in play, the Miami Dolphins are the best team available, which makes it a great spot for Deshaun Watson to land. But if he wants control, he wants more say, he wants things like that, this isn't the place to come because Brian Flores is doing it his way, as we just discussed. He's got his plan. He's going with it. So you're going to come fit in or you're not or you're not going to be here. So I don't see the fit that way. I see it as a great, a great fit for Deshaun Watson, not a great fit for the Miami Dolphins. And it's like, it just, as we were talking about it it, it, it reminded me of that from the other day. And I thought I'd bring it up, see what you guys think. No, yeah, completely, completely agree with you, mate, to be honest, even though, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't object to seeing Watson in a Dolphins jersey at all. I'm happy, I would be more than happy to ride with him there. But yeah, I, I completely get and agree with what you're saying. Sai, anything to, to, to build on that at all? No, agreed. I think if Deshaun Watson thinks he's going to come in and have a say in personnel decisions like he wants in Houston, he's got he's got a shot coming, to be fair. Um, so I don't think that's going to happen. And um, of course, he's got he's literally going to have um, a big say in where he ends up. So um, you'd yeah. like to think that would kind of uh, have been his mind beforehand before he makes that decision, I guess. Yeah, for sure. Um, OK, Michael, probably got five minutes or so left with you, mate. Um... I went to, we did our free agency episode last week. We kind of combed through a number of guys and, you know, said why they should be on the Dolphins roster, why they shouldn't, what they'd improve, what they wouldn't um, last week. I mean, just want to fire to you, mate. If you if you were sat in the GM's chair and you could pick one guy to come in through the door in this free agency period to, to kind of boost the Dolphins to the next level, uh, who would it be, mate? And tell us why. Yeah, yeah, I know this is unpopular, but I don't care. <laughs> um, my answer to this is we obviously need to improve the offense. And I think on offense, we need firepower at both wide receiver and running back. And I think it's nice. And I think we need multiple people at both. Not just one guy's not going to fix either. But wide receiver, there's a lot of wide receivers in this draft. We can get one there. And if we sign a veteran, maybe it's not the Allen Robinson types or the big name guys. Maybe it's more like a Marvin Jones type to go with what we got. I think we can sign like a mid-level wide receiver, take one in rounds, either one or two, and we're fine a wide receiver. Running back's a different story. The best friend for a young quarterback is a veteran running back. So it would be Aaron Jones. I know people don't like to pay running backs, and they think you can find a running back anywhere, and that's great. And there's a lot of very good running backs in this draft. Don't get me wrong. But just because you sign Aaron Jones doesn't mean you still can't take a Najee Harris or Travis Etienne or a Javante Williams because Miles Gaskin, great. He's not a number one or number two running back in this league. Okay. Salvin Ahmed, great. Not a number one or number two running back in this league. And if we want to see Tua succeed, the best thing we can do is take as much pressure off him as possible. How do you do that? Have a nice little one-two punch in your backfield with a running game much like the Cleveland Browns, Nick Chubb and Hunt. They have a nice little one-two punch. That's what Miami should be aiming to do. San Francisco, the past however many years, has had a nice one-two-three punch at running back, okay? That's what Miami needs to build, that running back. So I would pay Aaron Jones. He's not going to break the bank to an extreme level. It's going to cost some money, but he's not going to put you in salary cap hell. But you're going to have to pay him a fair market price, get him, 
then you draft someone in the draft round, one or two, whoever you know you can get, whatever. And that's how you start this offense to turn it around. They have to run. Once again, our head coach is conservative by nature. Conservative coaches by nature like to run the football. We need horses to run the football. Hey, Aaron Jones, I'm off my soapbox. <laughs> I'm glad you expanded on that, actually, because I listened to your live show this morning, Mike, that you did with Tom the other day. Yes. And, and in that, you suggested that by signing Aaron Jones wouldn't necessarily mean uh, that Najee Harris is off the table. And Funnily enough, we had our, as, as Andy said, we had our free agency discussion last week and we covered off Aaron Jones and suggested that if he gets a hefty contract and the associated number of carries that goes with that hefty contract, what value would there be in drafting Harris? And you've explained that point perfectly, I think, now. But the, the other side is, OK, if they select, if they sign Aaron Jones, does that devalue pick 18 or pick 36 in terms of wanting to select a running back and does their mindset change in thinking about well is there another position of priority that they need to address so I'm kind of glad that you expanded on that uh, uh, point a little bit there yeah and I think a lot of it does play into what they do in free agency the draft is a long ways away and they're going to make a lot of moves prior to the draft with who they sign in free agency if they go out there and sign a pass rush around the edge and sign say an inside linebacker well, those needs in the draft now become lessened. If they go out there and they go out there and say they do sign a big-name wide receiver as well as Jones, I don't know if that's likely, but let's just say they do, wide receiver in round one becomes less of a priority. There's ways. I think they're in the perfect situation, Miami, with all these picks. Number one, I don't think they're going to pick at number three. I think they're trading down. That's number one. And I think they're going to pick up picks not only for this year, but for next year. That's number one. Number two, this team won 10 games. Once again, I know it's not like a broker. They won 10 games. Their, their needs aren't vast. They have their needs, wide receiver, running back. But for the most part, they're in a spot, or they will be in a spot after free agency where they can just take the best player available at most spots, and it's going to help this team because they don't have glaring needs like they've had in years past. And I think uh, after free agency, let's, say, let's just say, hypothetically, they sign a Marvin Jones type or a John Ross, a wide receiver, Adds a little depth there. Hopefully, Parker can stay healthy. Preston Williams can stay healthy. The wide receiver group, yes, it needs someone from the draft, but it's not. It's okay. Now we're heading into the draft with a little bit of flexibility. And then at running back, if they sign in Aaron Jones, they have a lot of flexibility there, I think. And I think you can pair him with someone. Now, they might not have to take someone at 18. Maybe they take a Javante Williams at pick number 36. And that's okay, too. That's still a nice little one-two punch. He's very good, Williams. So it's not just about ETN and Harris. There are some other backs in this draft who are very good. I just think that to me, to help the young quarterback, it's all about the quarterback. 2021 and years beyond. Tua Tungavailoa. How do I make his life easier? How do I put him in the best position to succeed? You give him a top-notch running game. And that means at least a veteran who knows how to pass block, who's not going to be shell-shocked, who's not going to have all the, you know, that's the big thing for running backs who come in this league. If we get a Harris and it's just Harris, he might be great as a pass blocker, but he might not. And he might get a quarterback killed and it's more growing pains, not just in the running game, but for the quarterback. With a veteran, who's a big-time veteran player in Jones, that helps his life tremendously with a quarterback. Go on, Lee. I think you're going to build up there. Yeah, I, I've been thinking about this, this Aaron Jones thing. And 
there is absolutely no way that signing Aaron Jones should preclude you from taking a running back in the draft and high in the draft because it does a number of things. Aaron Jones cannot be a workhorse back because he never has been, which means you're paying him to do something he's never done before. You might as well pay him to be linebacker. It's that he's he's always played he's always played in the shared backfield. So if you pay him all that money as a free agent, you're paying for a guy who shares time in the backfield. Don't pay him and ask him to do something he can't do. Secondly, if you want to offset a, a high-priced free agent at a position where he shares carries, draft the guy to share him with, and keep the keep the room split where you've got a high-priced free agent and a low-priced rookie. They they match brilliantly. Obviously, my favourite is Nigel Harris. Great. But, like you say, you could take Javante Williams in the second round. Perfect. Because you've got a four-year contract and possibly a four-year free agent contract. They offset each other brilliantly. Yeah, exactly. It's all part of the plan, Lee. That's it. <laughs> it's there. Oh, I'm, I'm, also, I'm... I, I think the running back position has... It's, like you said, it, it's, to, it's going to be to his best friend especially if it's a veteran, if you can get a, get a two-headed monster, even better. But the other thing it does is it makes defences have to respect our run game, which hasn't happened, which makes things harder on our receivers. And Devontae Parker is great. I'm a big Devontae Parker fan, but he's not an elite wide receiver. So if, if I can take one man away from coverage and get him down in the box because they need to actually respect our run game, you make things... F- you free things up for Devontae Parker's down with the best corner, Preston Williams possibly on the other side. It, it scales down, do you know what I mean? It, it, yeah. it, it weakens the defence all across and builds opportunities for the wide receivers. I think the running back position here will have the most impact on this team. And with Jones, he's also caught 97 passes combined the past two seasons. So it's not, it's not just him running the ball. He's a weapon in this offense in other ways. He can help you in the passing game as well. He's a well-rounded back. And I think we have to be honest with ourselves too. We're the Miami Dolphins, which the key word there, Miami. We're in the, in the AFC East with the Jets, the Bills, and the Patriots. And you're going to play one, if not two of those teams every year on the road, late in the year when it's cold, windy snow, you got to run the ball. If we're going to go through the AFC East, we have to run the ball because late in the year, when it's in that crummy weather, if you cannot run the ball, you have no chance in hell. So the running game really is key. I, and it's re- the one thing that I think can take this team from a 10-win team to a 12-win team. I think it's that important. And we've seen it with other teams. When they can, they have multiple guys, that one-two punch, where whoever they put in there, it doesn't fall off. I say the Browns because I think they're the best example of it with Chubb and Hunt. They are absolutely fantastic. They can... They got a guy with some size who can just move the pile. They got a smaller guy who can sort of hit that home run, and they are just unstoppable. And I think that's what Miami sort of needs to do with that running back room, and it starts with a vet. You have to have a vet. And I think Jones is the guy I like. There's a lot of other guys out there in the market. I'm not in love with a lot of them. Jones I love. I think that's the perfect way to finish. (laughs) Uh, and go on, Sai, do you want to jump in before we do? Yeah, I just wanted to say um, thanks again for coming on tonight's show, Mike. Um, before we do depart, did you want to give your 
website and podcast a little plug and where they can folks can find you on social media of course to, although to be fair i think most of the people who would listen to this probably know your podcast anyway but i know you've got some plans coming up and and perhaps expand a bit more about your live show that you did with tom yeah the other absolutely day. simon first off thanks so much for having me on guys anytime this was a lot of fun i get asked to do a lot of shows and sometimes i don't always say yes but this was a great show because you guys know what you're talking about which makes it more fun a lot of shows, I can't say that about. Um, our website, just go to our website, coffinstalk.com. We always have news, commentary, articles. In season, we have a podcast every day. In the off season, they're more sporadic, and we do them when they're warranted. Although we're going to hit a spot soon here with the start of free agency in March, where we'll have a show almost every day, pretty much right through the draft. Because there's going to be a lot to talk about, as we saw today with the Kyle Denoy news. And also... With our podcast, we've just added a new wrinkle. We started this past weekend. Not all the shows, but some of them we're going to be broadcasting live. So with no net, it's, so if you can go to our Twitter feed, which is at Dolphins Talk, or our YouTube page, or on Facebook, and as we record live, you can watch us and, and interact with us. You can send us messages that we can answer in real time, and it's almost like a live TV show that we're making into a podcast. So we've sort of expanded and taken that next step to our podcast. So if I say something wrong or if I slip over my words, there's no net. It's going to be like I'm doing live TV. <laughs> and I'm kind of scared about that a little bit. No editing after the fact. But uh, yeah, that's sort of the next integration to our site. But we have podcast and just go to the website, dolphinstalk.com. As we've already said, it's all part of the plan. It's all part of the plan as we grow and build. That's it. That's it. Right. Well, again, thanks, Mark. Appreciate it. Um, Thank you, guys. Thanks to you guys for listening. And, uh, yeah, free agency is around the corner. I'm sure we'll be back with a lot more fun and games in the next few weeks. Thanks again.